Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hi everyone, welcome back to day one of African Family Firm's Phoenix Conference, celebrating and championing women in family business. And this afternoon we're joined by Andrina Soya. Um, we're excited to hear you today, this afternoon, Andrina. So over to you. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. Happy um, International Women's Day. Um, it's tomorrow, but I know that some people are probably watching it tomorrow and some people are probably already in tomorrow. <laughs> but I am so excited to be here. Um, this is my first time with um, family African Family Farms, and I'm excited about the topic that I get to share about today. Um, and I'm excited that so many African women are plugged in um, and invested in, in learning how they can become better business owners to leave a legacy for themselves. Um, so again, I hope everyone is doing well. If people have questions, please feel free uh, to drop them in the chat. I'm more than happy to answer. Um, but today, I, I just want to talk. Um, I feel like I have a little bit of license to just kind of let my hair down a little bit and just talk rather than do a formal uh, business presentation. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, and before I get into it, I just want to say thank you so much, Um to the organizers, uh, Nikkei and Cece, um, for just organizing this space. Uh, we got a chance to talk a couple of weeks ago, and um, one of the things I was really excited about is just their heart for making sure that African women have a space at the table and are able to contribute to the conversation. So thank you uh, to them for the work they're doing. So I'm going to go ahead and just share my screen. And again... I'd love to just share my heart about uh, business and to share my heart about um, legacy in particular. Um, so I get the pleasure today of talking about legacy. It starts with um, starts with you, how African women can build sustainable business. And what makes me, you know, quote unquote, qualified to talk about something like this? I think one, living, right? <laughs> I think <laughs> if you're living... Um, just the natural course of life and the ebb and flow of things just makes you a candidate to speak on some things. Um, we all go through kind of the natural progression and the natural flow of extreme highs um, where we feel like we are untouchable and things are just so amazing in the world. And then we have these seasons of extreme lows uh, where it just seems like nothing is quite working. And so that's what life has been for me. And that's why I'm talking about legacy today. Um, but more specifically, I'm talking about legacy as it relates to business, because this year I'll be celebrating 11 years of full-time entrepreneurship, which seems like an eternity, um, except that my goal is to be in this, you know, for 30, 40 years. So I wonder what that will feel like. But right now, um, you know, God has been gracious and I get to celebrate 11 years. And I'll share a little bit about how I got here, if that's OK. Uh, there on the screen, you see my background. Um, Perk Consulting is what I started 11 years ago. And about four years ago, almost five years ago, I started McQuinn, which is a faith-based initiative for women of color in business. Um, and it really just explores the intersection that is me, which is someone that is passionate about faith, which is someone that's passionate about my ethnicity and my race and my culture, and then also passionate about helping other people. And so, um, again, that's a little bit of our professional resume Personally, I was born in Freetown. I came to the United States when I was nine years old. I grew up in New Jersey. Um, so for anyone in the States, if you hear the Jersey accent come out, <laughs> that's why it's because I, I lived there since I was nine years old, currently in Baltimore. And I love to write. And so if we are connected on social media or hopefully you will connect with me on social media, you'll see long prose, <laughs> proses that I write all the time uh, because I really do enjoy that. So let's get into it. Legacy. Um, I'll share a story to start with because, um, again, this is something that's really close to my heart. So February 4th, which was about a month ago, right? A month and what's three days ago. 
I woke up and it was a normal day. And about halfway through the day, I found myself getting really sad, right? I couldn't explain it. I just knew that I was in a funk. And I went through my checklist, you know, what's going on. I looked at my calendar, you know, are my hormones out of whack? What's what's happening? And I couldn't quite put my finger on what was happening. Um, nighttime came, kind of just tucked it in the back of my mind. And I'm watching a movie and all of a sudden I start crying. Now that is unusual for me, right? Because I usually present as someone that's really strong. I, you know, kind of ignore things and let things roll off my shoulders. So for me to be so sad to the point of tears was really unusual. And I looked at the calendar and I realized the day of the, the month, it was February 4th. And I didn't recognize the, the symbolism of, of why February 4th was important to me until a name came to mind. And the name that came to mind was Cheryl Bryant. So let me tell you who Cheryl Bryant is to me. Cheryl Bryant was my mentor. When I first came to the United States, one of the places that my family found community in was a church, a local church that we went to. And Cheryl pictured here was the youth pastor. You have to understand Cheryl's personality, right? She is this full-figured, dark-skinned Black woman who had these pretty locks, and she just owned her space. Everywhere she went, you could not tell her she was not the most beautiful, the most articulate, the most impactful person. She just owned a room. She was funny and balanced and just everything. And for some reason, she took a liking to this little African girl named Andrina. So much so that she started calling me her mini-me. And so from the time I was about 10, 11, all the way till I was, you know, pretty much in my 20s, Everybody knew me, who knew both of us, knew me as Cheryl's mini-me. Well, on February 4th, five years ago, Cheryl passed away. Um, she had battled an illness. Um, she'd been diagnosed with HIV, and she spoke very proudly, and not proudly, but she, she was very vocal and an advocate um, of awareness. And five years ago, she passed away, and she passed away on February 4th. And all of a sudden, it made sense why I was so sad on February 4th of this year, because we were so connected that when she left this earth, it left a mark in my life that to this day, I have not found a mentor to replace in the same way that Cheryl um, impacted my life. Cheryl impacted me in every possible way. She impacted my faith journey. She impacted my definition of purpose. She impacted so much about my life. Um, she impacted me personally in helping me to understand what legacy means. And legacy is how people remember you. Cheryl's story and Cheryl's journey helped me remember that when I entered into the room, it was my responsibility to be the best me that I could be. Um, and so I had the responsibility to speak with confidence. I had my res a responsibility to leave it all on the floor because tomorrow was not promised. Cheryl also taught me that none of us are victims of our circumstances unless we allow ourselves to be. So when Cheryl walked in the room, no one knew about her background. No one knew about her diagnosis. No one knew about the struggles that she had in, in, um, in work meetings because she was the only woman who was a part of a team of men who were, you know, ministers for that denomination. No one knew any of that. They just saw what Cheryl presented. And so Cheryl was one of the first people that taught me about what it looks like to leave a legacy in the world. And that's what I get the privilege of talking about today. So what is legacy? Legacy is a gift um, by will. This is a formal definition, according to Webster. Um, a gift by will, especially of money or other personal property. The second definition of legacy is something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. And for today's conversation, I want to focus on number two. And in my definition, in my words, right, I believe that legacy is how people will remember us. Yes, of course, they'll remember us by the material and the physical things that we leave behind. But I think what's so much more impactful, which is what Cheryl taught me, is that people will remember us based on the kind of life that we lived. They'll remember how we made them feel. They'll remember what our businesses did for the community. They'll remember how we were in our homes. They'll remember if we were consistent in public um, as we were, we were the same way in public as we were in private. So I just want to talk about that for a little bit. How do we build a legacy? I think one of the keys to building a legacy 
is to make sure that we live for more than ourselves. I think part of the emphasis, right, um, on, so I'm trying to minimize my screen here, won't let me. Um, I think part of the um, how we leave, leave a legacy is to make sure that we live for more than more than ourselves, and the emphasis being on live. Um, a lot of people think that legacy is for the dead, but it's actually for the living. Um, and I think reframing our perspective about legacy will help create a sense of urgency for how we live. Sometimes we remember people in the best light after they're gone. And so a lot of people um, use that kind of as permission to live a little bit recklessly because when 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 people leave this earth, right, what do people always say, you know, at the funerals? Oh, they were the best person. Oh, they're in a better place. We, we tend to focus on all the good things after someone's gone. But I truly do believe that people won't be able to authentically and, and honestly say those things about us if we did not live a life that mirrored what we wanted. We get to control the narrative about legacy if we are more intentional about how we live. I think the second way that we can kind of... Um, figure out how to live uh, for more than ourselves is to understand that everything we do has eternal implications. And I'm not just talking in a faith or spiritual sense, but kind of in a general sense, um, when we're talking even about lineage for us as women, right? We're the carriers um, for the most part. And so we get to be the vehicle um, by which the lineage continues, by which the legacy continues for our family. Um, you know, children get to have the father's names, right, in most societies. But without us, <laughs> that wouldn't even be possible. And so when we're thinking about living for more than ourselves and how to frame ne- uh, a narrative for legacy, we have to remember that everything that we do as women affects the generations that come after. That lineage that we birth will last forever. The de- decisions that we're making now will help shape that lineage. I remember, um, I think it was last year, I came across a social media video and there was a little girl and she had this Ankara cloth and she was asking her dad to tie it in a bun on her head. And it was such a cute video because her dad was trying to wrap the, the, the scarf and she said, no, no, that's not how mommy does it. She said, do it like how mommy does it. And it was just such a beautiful reminder that what we do um, as women, other people are watching. Children are watching us. Siblings are watching us. Parents are watching us. Communities are watching us. Even if you feel like you're generally doing life by yourself, um, which is what the last two years really kind of brought home for a lot of us, if you feel like you're living life by yourself, you never really know. And so when we're talking about shaping legacy, we're talking about making sure that we live a life that we would be proud of other people talking about, whether we're here on this earth or after we're gone. I think the second thing about how to build a legacy is to find your purpose. We are in a sweet spot when we are purposefully living. There is nothing like it. I remember I was having a conversation actually this past weekend. Um, some friends and I had a girls weekend and we were just talking about, you know, the difference between our work and our passions. And, you know, all around the room, we were all saying there are some things that we're so passionate about that even if people asked us to do it for free, we would happily do it because we just enjoy it so much. It's very fulfilling. Well, the beautiful thing about business ownership and entrepreneurship is you get to make the two worlds collide, right? You get to make work out of your passion. And it's such a sweet spot to be. So when we're talking about building a legacy, what better way to do that than to do it in a space that you actually enjoy and that is actually fruitful? How do you find your purpose? I believe there's an intersection that I always encourage people to explore. I call it the magical intersection. Feel free to call it what you'd like. But this intersection is where three roads meet. There are the road, there's the road of opportunity, right? So if you don't know what your purpose is, watch for patterns in your life. What types of opportunities are opening that have a recurring theme? The second road is your gifting. What are you naturally good at, right, that other people struggle with? I love writing. Um, other people struggle to write. I hate math. And then I met someone who loves math. You give them a math problem and they do it just like that. You give them an Excel spreadsheet that seems like a foreign language to me. They get it. They can dissect. They can analyze. They can make a presentation about it. Don't ask me to do that. So that second road is that gifting. What am I naturally good at? Right? What do I enjoy doing? And that third road is timing. 
right? The timing of your life. Are you in the space of life right now where you're thinking, listen, I have these gifts that I haven't tapped into. I keep getting these opportunities, but I turn them down because they don't seem like they'll make enough money. I don't really know. I'm scared to take the leap of faith. Well, that intersection is where I believe as we explore those things, we begin to find our purpose. We begin to explore our purpose. And if we're good stewards of the opportunities, the gifts, and the time, for some of us, we actually get to make a business. We actually get to make a living out of the thing that we're purposeful and passionate about. So naturally, the question is, how do I build a legacy in business as a woman um, entrepreneur? I have some suggestions. I didn't want to make it too technical, um, but I'm happy to answer any technical questions because part of what I do for work now is strategic planning. Um, and people come to me because they hate strategic planning, <laughs> but I enjoy it, right? So talk about passion and, and purpose uh, colliding. One of the things I enjoy is strategic planning. But for you, how do you build a business? How do you build a legacy in business? The first thing that you have to do is to focus on systems. And this is the part of business that's not glamorized. This is the part of business that you don't see on social media. But guess what focusing on systems does is it leads to sustainability, sustainability, longevity means that this thing could possibly outlast you if you do it well. And for a lot of us, that's why we go into business. We go into business, yes, to make money, right? You need to make money. You need to sustain your livelihood. But for a lot of people, it's answering the question of what if, what if I could create something that can outlast me? So the one way that you can do that is to make sure that you have good systems in place. How? Second bullet there, learn about strategic planning. There's a framework. I just did a presentation on this last night that focuses on the financial component of your business, the operations, the capacity, the customer components of your business. When people go into business, whether it's, you know, a hair business, a retail store, um, cosmetics, whatever it is, uh, usually we just want to develop the products. And we don't think about what it looks like to grow the business and to scale the business. We just are very reactive, and um, especially if you're a first-time business owner. And so if longevity is the goal, legacy is the goal, learn about systems and support it with good strategic planning. Point number three is to make sure that you play the long game. When you play the long game, right, what does the long game look like? The long game looks like I don't get into every argument, into every conversation, into every competition that I'm invited to. It means that I don't follow every trend that pops up just to say that I'm on trend, right? It looks like I'm in the now, I'm very present, but I'm also very aware of where I'm trying to go in business. And so if it doesn't align with my systems, if it doesn't align with my strategic plan, I don't play in that, in that, in that lane. And that doesn't mean that we don't evolve, right? It doesn't mean that we don't create offshoots from the original plan, but it does mean that I don't engage in anything that could possibly sabotage what I'm doing right now. So if I have to pause and people misinterpret it as me being quiet or silent or off trend, that's okay. I remember, I think it was um, Clubhouse. When Clubhouse came out, um, everybody was saying, you need to get on Clubhouse as a speaker. And everybody was so, so excited. And I love what Clubhouse has done for many of the women within my organization, right? It's refined our ability to speak to large audiences. It's allowed networking. But I knew, I knew that it was not the space for our organization to be present. And so when a clubhouse kind of died down and that became kind of a, a, a running joke that, hey, what happened to clubhouse? And people were saying, listen, I don't have time to just listen to people for five hours a day. I got it. You know, so there are some things that pop up and you have to say, it sounds really good and perhaps I'll test it out. There's no harm in testing it out but I won't put all my resources in that basket because it doesn't align with my long game. Next bullet is to be a lifelong learner. Um, anytime that as entrepreneurs, we think we have arrived, we're in trouble. Why? Because the industry was always changing. The landscape is always changing. Your customers are always changing. Your resources, you are always changing. I remember when I started in business, I had a mentor tell me, Andrina, you make sure that you marry your mission and you date the model. And what he meant by that is the why for me, which was supporting nonprofits that I go into business never changes, but flexibility ought to be part of my culture. Um, COVID drove that home for a lot of us as entrepreneurs. 
I have a lot of clients that did not make it. And it grieved my heart because I build relationships with my clients. So I know the investment. I know the sacrifices. I know that they put everything into their businesses. Um, and so it hurt my heart. Um, so we never know um, how people are going to be, um, how, how things are going to change. And so by making lifelong learning a, a core value of yours, it means that you get to be, again, in a very uh, proactive space where you can control the narrative of, for yourself and for your business. Um, lastly, how do you build a business, a legacy in business, as you reject the glamorization of purpose? When I first started in business, um, I thought that if I just got 10,000 Instagram followers and I got a pretty little headshot and I got on Facebook and I got some good reviews, the services were going to be flying off the shelf. That's what Instagram and social media made it seem like, right? It, se- it made it seem like purpose was this upward trajectory and that's all there was to it. And then I quickly learned that's not what it is. So after the adrenaline wore off, after people got distracted and they went off to the next business venture and the next new person, the next hot thing, after I have to deal with work-life balance and the depressive episodes that that brought on, um, I had to face myself. And part of facing myself was realizing that I misunderstood what purposeful living would really take. Yes, it's fulfilling. Yes, it's rewarding. Yes, I've loved 11 years of doing this. And I pray I get to do it for 50 more years if I can. Um, But it's not always pretty. Um, In fact, I wrote a book about it. um, I think it was year seven in business after I'd kind of gotten over a little hump. And I it's called The Misadventures of a New Entrepreneur. And it's all about the things that nobody tells you. So it's about the mounting bills um, because everything that came into my personal wallet, I reinvested into the business. It's about managing my social life and how I could, I would go to the bathroom sometimes and just cry because it felt like the world was on my shoulders because I had payroll to keep up with. I had salaries. I had office rent. I had uh, software subscriptions to keep up with. And I was by myself. I was a solopreneur. Um, and so reject, actively reject the glamorization of purpose. If you are a business owner who's been stabilized, um, and I don't say this in a reprimanding manner, but I think we have an obligation to be honest about how we got to stability so that people are fully prepared to stay in business for the long game. If you are a new business owner, I really encourage you to have a, a, an honest um, posture of expectation that yes, it's a beautiful thing. It's especially beautiful when you hit your stride, but it's not always easy. In fact, after the initial adrenaline wears off, you're going to find that you have a lot more lows than highs until things start picking up, right? Um, and it's it's challenging. And again, this is based on my experience and, and my observation with people that I've encountered in, in, a, in a decade. So it might be different for you. You might have an upward trajectory, Um, Perhaps you come from a family or background of business owners, and so you can avoid some of the mistakes that others of us make, but really have a posture um, of humility and understanding that it is not always easy, but it is absolutely worth it. Um, The second thing um, I will say about how to build a value is to make sure that about how to build a legacy is to make sure that you add value. Be a business owner who adds value in your industry, community, and nation. I think it was Maya Angelou. It might not be. People are always crediting her <laughs> for quotes that she did not say. But I, I think it might have been her that said, people won't always remember um, what you said to them, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Right. That's a pretty popular quote on social media that people use all the time. And that's what adding value feels like. Right. It feels like leaving such an impact that people get it that every space that you enter is better off because you were there. So if you are a subject matter expert, don't hoard all the information for yourself. doesn't mean that you give freely the information to everyone because part of good strategic planning, part of good systemization is knowing how to monetize what you do. That's your source of livelihood. But it does mean that if there's a conversation where I can be of value, I don't, I won't hesitate to jump in there. If, if it feels good, right? It also looks like giving back. If you are someone who's stable in business right now, it never hurts 
to mentor a younger person, right? Or a newer person. It looks like adding value, not just in your industry, but in your community, but in your nation. Um, I think it was 2019, right before the pandemic, um, the landscape really started to change, especially here in the United States for women of color in business. Um, and women of color, there was an explosion where we actually became the leaders um, for starting new businesses. I believe it was almost like at a 200% rate um, increase, we were starting new businesses compared to white men and white women. So what do you do with all of that? When you, when you realize what's happening, right, it's been four years since that report came out, you realize that the narrative of the nation is changing. These are not just spurts that are happening in communities, right? It's not just Atlanta or New York or Detroit or Chicago, but collectively these spurts are changing the narrative of a nation for women of color in business. So where equity used to be a challenge and we used to say representation is, is an issue, Yes, those things are still are still issues, but we are literally right now in the middle of some of those things changing. And so by being an active participant and lending your voice to some of those conversations, you get to add value. You get to add value that outlasts you. You get to add value that uh, future generations can benefit from. And so it's not always easy, right? I learned that from Cheryl. I learned that from watching her. Um, that it is not always easy uh, to live on purpose. It is not always easy to live with the future in mind, especially as entrepreneurs. It's not always easy, but it is absolutely, absolutely worth it. I think it's possible for us to not only build a legacy, but I think it's possible for us to encourage others uh, to build a legacy as well. Does anyone have any questions for me? Thank you so much, Antrina. There was a lot there. Um, I was nodding incessantly throughout um, your presentation. I, ha I had a few questions. Sure. Um, in terms of, um, there's so much in there. You said, marry your purpose, but date your mission. Yeah, marry your mission, but date your model. Marry your mission, but date your model. Can you speak practically? What does that look like for folks that are building their businesses? Um, how, how they can marry their, their, their missions? Yeah, absolutely. So, so marrying the mission is, is the why, right? It never changes. So if I went into business, in my case, to provide consulting to nonprofits, um, because I realized that the nonprofits that were doing the, the best work were the ones that were small, right? They were the grassroots organizations who were underfunded, who had a rotating door when it comes to their employees and volunteers. They had limited capacity, um, but they were also kind of the bedrock for a lot of, a lot of places. I wanted to, to change that. I wanted to be a part of changing why they were underfunded and why they ceased to exist after a few years of being in, in existence. So that's my why. That never changes. But when I started off, I was so restricted in the service offerings. So I only did grant writing and I only did strategic planning. And over the course of you know my early years, I realized, well, no, nonprofits also needed help with strategic planning. A lot of them were applying for grants but didn't understand that the large percentage of grants goes to good program development. And so they didn't understand what program development looks like. So our service offering started to change. When COVID happened, right, we had to go to complete remote, uh, remote offerings and virtual offerings. So we pivoted in that way. Not only did the type of services change, but now the way that we provide services changed. And then we realized, okay, we thought that we were going to be targeting um, those who were earning at least a quarter of a million dollars a year. Except that a lot of organizations that are grassroots organizations, part of that why for me, we're barely scratching $50,000, right? And so while we probably could not exclusively serve and serve those who are making less than $50,000, it would help to have a dedicated uh, revenue stream and a service plan just to target those. That meant that we could subsidize some of what we did for them because they couldn't afford what we were doing for others. So the way we provided services changed and that was the model that we dated. If it worked, we kept it. If it didn't work because we were not getting the return on it, then we we just, you know, put it in the back shelf. Maybe we revisit it at a later time or maybe we never revisited it. But that marry the mission is the why. 
my heart 11 years later is still to serve nonprofit organizations. So it doesn't matter how many books I write, it doesn't matter how many organizations I become a part of, I'm always driven by that, making a difference in that space. Um, will there come a day when I might outgrow that, <laughs> quote unquote, or just lose interest in it? It's possible, right? We're humans, we're always changing. But to the best of my ability, the foundation and the culture of Perk, my consulting practice, is to address that why. But how we do it, the model, we date. Um, we don't marry the model. <laughs> no, insightful. And wanted to unpack COVID-19. Um, and you mentioned that, um, well, COVID-19 has disproportionately impacted on women. Um, particularly female business owners who have to straddle now on the home front and as well on the business front, um, all manner of disruptions. What are your thoughts on COVID and as folks are building businesses, any tips that you have for, for them? Yeah. Um, part of dating that model, right? That, that, um, advice that my mentor gave me looks like developing a culture of responsiveness. Right. No, none of us could have predicted COVID-19. None of us could have predicted that it would take two years to get out of it. You know, and so there are some things that we cannot control. A part of good system development and business planning um, that every business should owner should be able to do is engage in what's called a SWOT analysis. Right. So SWOT stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. And the O and the T, try to follow me if you're not familiar, but O and T are part of what's known as an external environment assessment, meaning you can't control the opportunities in your business and you can't control the threats in your business. Something like a COVID-19 is a threat. What you can do, though, when you create a SWAT is create contingencies for how we possibly would should these things come up. So there are some things that we can only anticipate. In best case scenario, it never happens. Worst case scenario, it does happen. And so part of how we address threats is to keep our eye on on the landscape to see what resources are, are available, what opportunities are coming up. So for women, a lot, I was so impressed here in the United States, how we were flooded with grant opportunities. And if you did not have a background in grant writing, guess what? It was your job to be a lifelong learner, like I talked about in my presentation, to get on some YouTube videos, to start reading some books, to start engaging and forming partnerships with people who can help you get some of that money. After you've done a SWAT, perhaps on your on the, thre- on the threats list, you have like natural disaster, illness, um, high turnover, competitor coming and stealing my clients. How do I address some of those things? You create contingencies. And the last thing I'll say for us as, as women in business is it's a game that that you have to play, right? And, and game might not be the right word, where you're always kind of three steps ahead of what your business, where your business appears to be, right? And so when it comes to the reserves financially, you should have some reserves, right? Like you're going just as hard and aggressively with your business now, but um, on the back end, you should have some financial reserves, even though your efforts don't look like you're coasting because you have reserves, when it comes to like your service provision and the evolution of those streams, it looks like I start to offer um, virtual offerings. And that's kind of the next step and the next evolution of what I've done, um, even though it initially appeared like we were not ready for that. So you're always kind of a few steps ahead. Um, but the most important thing is to be responsive by having the ability to recognize what opportunities are out there in response to the threat. And I'll, I'll say this too, right? As women, I think one of the hardest things in addition, in addition to the lack of resources was the stress of COVID for women in business during the pandemic. Um, and so while you're working on the business um, and working in the business, for us, it was also important to make sure that our mental health was good um, because now we had the added pressure of a pandemic and the added pressure of being strong for everybody else in our lives, children, spouses, partners, whomever, (laughs) like it was all on our shoulders. And so just making that a priority too is helpful. I was going to ask you about that. Can we speak a little bit more about that? Because I feel like in the African community in particular, it's still very much taboo. Um, With the rising generation, um, we, we, we are more inclined to talk about these things, but still, 
having conversations on what mental wellness, mental well-being is still not normalized. How can, as entrepreneurs, um, how can we tend to our mental um, states? Because it's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. In fact, um, earlier today, I was scrolling through Instagram and I'd seen a South African music artist had passed away and they're suspecting suicide. And then I think a lot of people know about the two um, beauty pageant winners that passed away in the last month, also by suicide. And the recurring theme here is that we never really know what people are going through, right? But it's also the same for us where people never really know what we're going through. And I think as a business owner, um, one of the best things that I did for myself is to make my mental wellness as much of a priority as I did other elements of my life and, and business operations. And so I, I used to be, I still am a workaholic. I can't get away from it, right? I think all of us are workaholics. But one of the things that I did when I started to realize the negative effects was that I instituted rules. So I no longer work on Sundays. That is absolutely mandatory for me right now because I can't turn my brain off, right? I'm always thinking about my business, but what I can do, I can't stop that. But what I can do is to be very intentional about, I won't answer emails. I won't, or if I respond to an email, I'll schedule it to go out on a Monday so that we're not going back and forth over the weekend. I won't work past a certain time. My clients used to have my cell phone number until I realized that some lack boundaries. And so I was getting text messages at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. Um, and so I instituted those rules that worked for me. Um, if you are someone who's not quite like, I'm at my wit's end yet, start by implementing some rules for yourself. If you are nearing your wit's end, which it's easy to get there. Um, in my presentation, you know, I talked about having to go to the bathroom because I just, I couldn't hold it together anymore. I just, and it's happened more than once where I just went to the bathroom and I cried. So if you're nearing that space, seek outside help. Um, so enlist the help of a therapist. Um, and there's absolutely no shame in that. I know on the continent, um, it's probably still a little bit more stigmatized than it is here. Um, but if you are here, if you are elsewhere in the diaspora, definitely um, enlist the help of a professional. It's less stigmatized here. If you are on the continent um, and you don't have access to a therapist, I'd say take advantage of virtual offerings, take advantage of community groups. And I'm a big proponent of where something doesn't exist, build it. Um, You would be surprised at you putting on social media, hey, I'd like to start a wellness group, you know, for African women who are in Lagos or wherever. You'd be surprised at how many people, they might not comment publicly, but they will probably send you, one or two will probably send you a DM that says, that sounds great, let's talk. And perhaps that's the start of engaging outside help is just having a community group and sharing resources and creating a repository and it grows um, well beyond what you envision. But start with yourself and just ask, where have I, have I broken my own boundaries? Um, what do I need to create boundaries? And then um, if you find that it's well beyond, you start looking for help. Like we'd rather have you here in the business on pause um, than you not to be here and your business is making millions of dollars. What's the point, you know, of that? Thank you for that. That's so helpful. Um, and you mentioned something along the lines of um, the bursting the bubble, I guess, of this um, swoops and mirrors of the fly life of the entrepreneur and <laughs> keeping it real. <laughs> can you speak more about that? Yeah, I I keep it too real. <laughs> That's my problem. <laughs> no, I think I think it's a it directly ties to our mental health. Um, the comparison, um, the what you say? I said one hundred percent. It's they're linked. Yeah, yeah, they're they're absolutely linked. The comparison trap is. It's just that it's a trap. And what social media does, we have to realize that social media is so strategic. It's like a billion dollar industry. And so playing on the addiction to social media is not by accident. Right. And so by rewarding influencers to show their best lives, by monetizing ads, by using buzzwords like it's a it's a money game right on the back end of social media. And what happens is when we don't recognize that we play into those algorithms, 
and we make them money at the detriment of our mental health. And so being honest with yourself about where you are is critical to setting those boundaries. Um, I had a conversation with someone recently about Valentine's Day. It just happened a couple of weeks ago. And as an entrepreneur, if you are single and living by yourself, it's hard enough, right? Because you're carrying the weight. But then when you look at the powerhouse women, right, you look at those in the world who are able to have everything, it seems literally everything, and you're barely able to pay the rent for your office. And then you see like, this woman has an amazing husband. She's an influencer. She dresses well. She's a perfect size six. And she has a multi-million dollar company. That's just what she's telling you. Okay. And it doesn't mean that we approach every person with, you know, a sense of cynicism, but it does mean that we recognize that part of the monetization of social media is to give our best lives. We only show the snapshots. And so you can't compare your reality with somebody else's highlights. And you have to really, really internalize that um, and make sure that that's the case. Um, again, it's not about cynicism and questioning people's reality because some people really are living their best lives. And when those people are, because we know the struggle, it's our job to acknowledge and applaud them for that because we know it wasn't easy. And so like reframing that conversation and just saying, man, you know, if she can do it, this is awesome. It's a great model to show that it can be done. Use that as motivation, reframe the conversation that way, but be real about your struggle. Be real about your struggle because at the end of the day, like there's only one of you and there's only one of your story. Where you are now is not the full picture. There are people that I started business with. I wrote about this in the book and I'm not plugging my book, but it's something that I was so passionate about that I, I wrote about it, that when I started in business, I remember meeting a man, a young man who was the same. We started business around the same time. And I was so enamored, like not in a romantic way, but I just admired him because he was getting like national press and everyone knew him and he was so charismatic when you were in his presence. And not too long after I met him, I, he went out of business and he went out of business because he just could not deal with the exhaustion, the lack of support with some of the things he listed in his press release. And he's no longer in business. He's healthy, which is a much better thing, but he's no longer in business. And today I'm celebrating 11 years in business. And I say that not in a braggadocious way, but to say that had I stayed in the space of comparison with him. I probably would have been so discouraged that I might not have continued. So, you know, don't just take things at face value, but stick with your story, stick with your lane. You know your why, you know what's at stake. You know if you're doing it for your children, if you're doing it because you want to be the first in your family to build a business that lasts, you know that why. Write your story on your story and do it not in comparison to people, to other people. And manage social media as you would anything else that is potentially harmful. So like food, if you tend to overindulge, you put parameters in place to help you. So even with social media, perhaps you download an app that tells you you spent three hours today. Stop. You know, or you don't create a profile, a personal profile on some platforms because you don't need it. And you just manage a business profile. Or you outsource if you have the resources to do so for somebody else to manage social media. Um but put those parameters in place and treat it um, as a potentially addictive, harmful thing that it could be if not managed well. <laughs> Thank you. This has been incredible. Thank you so much. Um, if anyone would like to reach out to you and learn more about your work, how best can they reach you? Yeah, so the best way is through website and social media. My personal website is andrinasawyer.com. This is my first and last name. And then I'm also active on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. Not a fan of Facebook, um, mostly because of what we just talked about. <laughs> but you can um, get in touch with me on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. We're closing for today. We'll catch you tomorrow. So. Be on the lookout for your emails, um, for the links for tomorrow's session. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Oh, sorry, there's a question. Um, Abiela, please go ahead. You can only... Hi. Hi. So I'm, I'm recently starting out a new business and I'm feeling very overwhelmed with that process. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts. How do you keep yourself going? 
it feels like there's so much to do. I'm like, I'm, I'm just sort of overwhelmed. Like, I'm really, and I'm, and I, and I, and I can't really seem to find a lot of um, women who are within my age range in Nigeria who I can really say, look, are sort of building the kind of legacy business that you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I find them either above me or too young for me. So I just, mm-hmm. I really feel like I need someone who pretty much maybe has some of the pressure that I have <laughs> that I can understand. Yeah. I just know, how do you navigate it? How do you keep yourself going when you feel like giving up? How do you push yourself? I don't know. It's hard, right? Nobody tells you, but it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. It's, it's, it's I feel like almost getting a job and saying, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Literally. I'm at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I have been there. That's why I'm laughing because I've been there and I know it all too well. The good thing is that it's a sign that you're doing it. You're doing it right. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> as odd as that sounds, it's a sign that you're doing it right. Um, you actually asked a couple of questions in there. And the first is about like the loneliness of the process. I will mm-hmm. say that never really goes away. Even mm-hmm. after you, yeah, even after you scale and you have a large team and whatnot, the fact of the matter is you're a carrier of a vision um, and nobody else understands that vision. Um, not even a partner would understand that vision the way that you interpret and understand it. And so you, you have to make peace with that. Um, now, are there some things that you can do to help with community building? Absolutely. And for you, it might mean looking outside of the comfort zone. It might mean looking for virtual communities for now. Um yeah, and expanding your search and expanding your reach um, because they, they might not be there unless you create it. That's mm. how McQuinn started, which is a nonprofit that I, I started for women of color in business. I think I said that. Um, mm. And when I put it out there at Biola, it's so crazy. Today, McQuinn reaches 30,000 women. It takes, wow. yeah, it takes more of my time than my consulting practice because People responded to this cry that I had that I can't find anybody else that looks like me. Why am I always the only black person in the room? Why is nobody sending me fundraising and grant resources? Mm -hmm. And so all these women started saying, oh, me too, me too, me too. (laughs) Um, So there's a chance that there are other people in your community who feel that Mm -hmm. way, but they're not speaking up, who fit the Mm -hmm. criteria that you have. There's yeah. that possibility. There's also the possibility that there might not be anyone and you just have to go somewhere else to get it. Mm. Like, you know, mm. virtual. Mm. The second question mm. is, how do I keep going? <laughs> you sound like you're <laughs> <laughs> resonating. <laughs> I, I, listen, I was, I'm stressed. I'm like, listen, I, I, I can't do this. I'm like, no, nah. you can. You absolutely can. No, listen, Every everything about business, the early part of business, is a test mm-hmm. almost everything from from your motivation level to how yeah. you manage your money to how mm-hmm. you manage yeah. your staff to how you manage your customers all of it is a series of tests i believe mm-hmm. that helps you position yourself for more mm-hmm. so if you're mm-hmm. able to successfully handle stress at this stage when you are bigger than you ever imagined you'll be able mm-hmm. to and it I, trust me <laughs> on that <laughs> um <laughs> In terms of how do I do it, though, I learned the hard way um, how to keep going. And for me, it was really tapping into that why. Um, I had no choice. And I put myself in position to have no choice. But <laughs> you yeah. turned the camera on. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I did. Because I was like, you know what? Let me, let me let you see me so you can relate. <laughs> no, I feel I, like I, it's unfair. <laughs> so like, let me let you see me so you know that. Yeah. I appreciate that. No, I, I put myself in position for it, right? Because mm-hmm. I quit my job, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you quit your job, you have no option but to make it work, right? Yeah. And so some people don't do what I did, but you literally have to position yourself in a way and train yourself to to, to think as if you were, you were cornered. And mm. some people respond to pressures differently. I like it when mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the underdog. It motivates me even more. Um, and so if you have that personality type, I really would uh, encourage you to tap into that why. But then also put a back end system for yourself. Manage yourself as you would your business. So mm-hmm. on days that you're feeling low, have your go to resources, whether it's a yeah. video, if it's a book, if it's a motivational speaker, have mm-hmm. those things like in an arsenal for yourself. On days mm-hmm. where you're doing really well, figure out a way to leverage those. 
So if it's yeah. a client that's signed and you have to blow it up or journal about it, leverage those things to remind yourself on the days that it's it's harder. And you yeah. know, that's what I'm talking about when I say back-end system for yourself. Yeah. Um, and just whatever it is, amplify that why in your mind. Um, yeah. I hadn't I had no choice and I wanted to prove people wrong. Um, and I mm. literally like when you go to the gym and you put your music on, that's what entrepreneurship became for me. Yeah. That was early on. The way that I, I push myself now is to remember that there was a time when I was praying for the phones to ring and the phones were mm. not ringing. And mm. so when I get complacent, when I get annoyed with a client, when I want to quit now, I just remember that. And that's what keeps me kind of yeah. going. Yeah. 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 So, you know, thank amplify you, the why. <laughs> thank you very much for that. I, th- I, think, I think you said something that was really good. I think that was why I was feeling drained. I find mm-hmm. that you mentioned something about, you know, knowing your strengths and tapping into your strengths to build a legacy. And one of, I did a strength test. One of my strengths is actually um, I'm an activator. So I find that I do for people the things that you're mentioning. I build them up. I boost them. But when it comes to me, I, I literally am like, who do I call? Who can I go to? Who can fill my tank? Like, I literally feel like my tank is empty. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just couldn't find anyone, right? I, I couldn't find anyone that could say, let me hold your hand, put you through. And that was beginning to frustrate me. I think this weekend I was really, really frustrated. But having you yeah. say that, I think maybe I need to look for a virtual a, a virtual community. I think maybe I'm looking to, my pool of, of search is really looking. And, and I really feel like for me, I want someone that has built something that transcends them. And I'm in finance. So... Mm-hmm. I'm not like your typical, I, I'm not selling a product like you can touch, right? So yeah. I need someone that has built something that feels esoteric, but that, you know, and they build it properly. And in finance, it's very easy for you to just, you know, fluff your way through it. And I don't mm-hmm. want to sort of fluff my way through it. So that's, mm-hmm. so that was one of the things that was really just, you know, frustrating me this weekend. I was like, I really need, you know, someone. I need to find someone. I need to find a community. And yeah. you know, yes, what you shared has been very valuable to me. So, good, so good. much. So I, I am going to try. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, even if you don't find a, a, a large community, um, be in touch about finding a mentor. That helps alleviate yeah. some of it. So if you don't have one, um, yeah. and you know, with social media things like that, like having access to people has become yeah. a lot easier. And yeah. so, you know, guys in your industry who's doing what you do, and you observe people, right? You observe their yeah. temperament. You observe whether they're approachable and humble, or whether they appear to be standoffish. Mm-hmm. And the person that you feel, you know, compelled to just shoot them a DM and say, "Hey, listen, this is a predicament," and you don't want to become a burden to them, mm-hmm. right? Because that's yeah. a deterrent. And so you just say, "Hey, can I just check in? You know, once a month, I'd love to hear, you know." how you're doing and maybe just pick your brain. Don't use pick your brain because then they think you're trying to mooch. Yeah. <laughs> but, <Okay. you> know, <laughs> frame yeah. it another way. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle, but it gets better. Play the long game. Play the long game. Those feelings are temporary. Um, okay. they're, they're temporary. It's hard. Oh, yeah. And it's literally hard. Like I, And I share this very openly, but I remember being so financially low in my business I lost my apartment and my car. Wow. At the same time. Wow. Yeah. Three years ago, when I bought my first house, I cried. Oh, gosh. I want to cry just hearing you say that. I cried because <laughs> it's it's not just like, oh, I'm depressed and it's yeah. just a feeling, but there are literally yeah. things that remind yeah. you that this is hard. It's okay. not just this, this feeling, um, this abstract kind of place to be in, but it's yeah. temporary. Um, and not a lot of people push through, but, but train, you know, figure out what, what the why is and what the resources could be to help you get over it. Yeah. Th- thank you so much. Again. I think, I think the financial part was how that really just worried me a bit. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Nikki. I feel like. Please. Sorry. No, Abiola, this is why we created this. Please speak. Mm. I feel like the financial part worried me a bit because I was just like, oh my God, <clears throat> you know, What's going to happen? How am I even going to make the next amount of money? And I just, I mean, I have savings, but I just felt, I felt under pressure. I just thought about things I wanted to do. And, and I, on the flip side, right, Adriana, I know that there is success. Like it's, it's weird. Yeah. I'm, I know that if I do this really well, 
Like yeah. I can see the money signs. It's not even the money per yeah. se, but I can see the impact I'm going to make in people's life. I mean, the money is part of it. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. ultimately for me, if I was in it for money, I get a job, but yeah. I can actually see the, um, you know, I see that there's, there's so much on the other side of it, but mm-hmm. it's where I am and the other side, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm stressed. And then, you know what? I'm a, I'm a person of faith. And one thing God reminded me of was that, but you know, I've been bringing you people and you didn't have to market. But in this moment that I was thinking right now, I couldn't yeah. say, I'm like, I can't just can't well, let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm glad you spoke up. I'm also a person of faith. Okay. Yeah. Two things I'll say to you. Um, we don't, we don't do business. People who go into business for money don't last mm-hmm. very long, usually, mm-hmm. unless they come from money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you add value, right, and you create systems, systems attract money. And mm-hmm. in business, there's a lapse, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you won't see the results of your yeah. systems until, yeah. like, much later, right? Yeah. Like you won't reap the fruit of it. And so if you build good systems now, what you have right now is a lot of downtime, Right. There will come a time where you're so busy with clients that you can't work on your systems. And Mm. I know this now in hindsight, that while I have the downtime because I don't have to deal with front facing issues like customer service. Right. It's the time to build my systems. It's the time to build my foundation. It's the time to build my culture. It's the time to increase my learning in the Mm. areas and in the competencies that I don't have. Because mm. there will absolutely come a time when you have mm. no time for any of it, not even social media management. Mm. And so you have to be kind of sensitive to the timing of, of business and that lack, mm. which is built mm. now. And the, the systems will automate themselves so that later on you just reap in the fruit of them. Um, I'll share this last testimony because I know we're running out of time. I went through a drought in my business, right? That's what led to me losing all those things I mentioned. Mm. Um I got not, I think one month I made like $300. Another month I made $500. I have salaries, not just for myself, but my staff. A lot of overhead. One day for me, this is where the faith comes in, right? One day I got a call from a former um, employer Mm -hmm. that I actually interned with. So yeah, they were an employer. And they thought about me and they said, hey, I've been seeing your newsletters. Would you be interested in this contract? I hadn't Mm. talked to this woman in almost 11 years. Right. Wow. I hadn't talked to her in so long. She did not even know about my qualifications to do the work that I was asking. She mm. was asking me to do. And she said, send me a proposal. I sent her a proposal. It was a four figure proposal. And mm. she said, Andrina, you're underselling yourself. Wow. She said, add more money. I sent her. I revised it, sent her the proposal again. She said, add more money. And so I sent her this proposal. And here in America, when you pick, when you bid for such businesses, it's highly competitive, right? Yeah. And so it doesn't usually work that way. And so long story short, I was awarded that contract. And wow. all I did that day was wake up and respond to her email. It was wow. no effort on my part. I didn't have to bid. I didn't have to do anything. And so all of these things I had been doing, social media, <laughs> yeah. people, networking, all this stuff I was doing brought me not even one conversion. And the breakthrough that I needed that surpassed even the bills that had mounted came from someone that I had a great relationship with years ago. And so there are things, you know, when we're talking about faith and all of that, and I, I know some people might not be um, in faith yeah, spaces. Yeah. yeah, but when we're talking about some of that stuff, like keep that in mind, like the yeah. test, the tests are, are a test of your stewardship. They're a test of how you respond, like, even when we're stressed, we're kind to people, not because it's a natural thing, but we're kind yeah. to people because we don't know what happens three years from now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that that moment was the pivot in my business mm-hmm. where it was like, OK, I can let go. If you are on the Bible app, I have a, like five devotionals on the Bible <laughs> app for yeah. business owners. Feel yeah. free to, to go through. They might encourage you. Um, but, yeah, that's when the breakthrough came from my business. And ever since then, like. I learned so much about just, it works out. Bingo. Yeah. It'll work out. It'll work I think out. You, were, you were the person that God sent to me. <laughs> Phenomenal. I'm so sorry because I've got another, <laughs> I have yes. to go. But okay. I shared with you a few links, Abiola. Check your chat box. Of yes. Police and potential mentors that could be of value to you. This Thank conversation you so was so very much needed because the veneer of the success of entrepreneurship, it cripples folk into suffering in silence. It yeah. leads 
to mental health issues and yes. have the answers and we have the clues if we just open up to one another and say, hey, I'm not boss babe. How come this thing is not working the way <laughs> yes. on Instagram? I've been doing yes. this thing for 90 days and how far? <laughs> but it doesn't work yeah. like that as Andrina so graciously explained um, and brought both her triumphs and her trials to the fore. I'm so, so, so grateful for you, Andrina. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You I really appreciate the time. Okay. You're blessed for putting this together. We never did get to meet anywhere in Lagos, but hopefully we get to meet soon. We'll Thank you so we'll much. Zoom. Right. There's no distance over Zoom. Thank, Thank you, ladies. You. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.